Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to the World Cricket Show, the world's favourite cricket show stumbling on into 2018 in spite of honestly devastating popular demand. My name is Adam Bayfield and I'll be your host tonight and the man staring intensely at me from the opposite side of the room is the riddle, the enigma, the idiot that is Tony Kerr. This is brutal stuff to open the year with, real chin music of an opener. You're already feeling a bit sorry for yourself as well because you've... uh, you just had to run down to the shop to get some new batteries for the recorder. I mean, you were, you were very quick. You said, I'll just be a minute. And you were down and back in under four minutes, which was impressive. But you're now sweating and out of breath. I mean, you do wonder, people would wonder, what do you need batteries for in this day and age? And I just I sprinted into the shop and just went, batteries! <laughs> <laughs> Give me your batteries! Like, did them on the self-service as quick as I could and sprinted out again. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. There's some shell-shocked shop assistants (laughs) in the the co-op. I did pay for them, (laughs) should be said. And did you ask for the money out of the till as well? (laughs) No, I left that. Didn't uh, Just wanted the batteries, really. You went in with a balaclava over your head. Give me all your batteries! (laughs) Well, Happy New Year, Tone. And to you. Happy New Year's. How's 2018 been so far for you, would you say? Uh, It's been good, yeah. Solid. (laughs) Apart from the battery incident. It's yeah, a, yeah, it's apart, from, start, yeah exactly. apart from having to <laughs> lift some batteries out of the co-op. You've got, a, you've got a, a real sheen of sweat on your forehead there. It's, it's like there's a lamp shining directly on your head. It's really blinding me at the moment. But yeah, 2018, good so far? Good so far. Uh, yeah, I, I do find it a bit funny, though, p- the way people are like, oh, you know, 2018's got off to a great start. As, and, but if it goes downhill slightly in sort of Feb, then you just write it off. Like a year is too big a thing to pin a good start on i think you just gotta crack on but anyway well it's like yeah we've 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 seen we've left a few balls go outside off stump and you think well he's looking you know he's looking confident he's looking like he's seeing the ball well uh, but there's a long way to go yeah if you want to make a triple hundred <laughs> uh any new year's resolutions this year no really because i can think no. of quite a few that you should have <laughs> no 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 one year it was to read a book a week yeah which you then changed to to read a book, and you still failed. Well, I did read a book last year. Yeah, but that wasn't the year that you made the resolution year. for. It was about four years later. Well, yeah. You can you can massage the figures and the, <laughs> the facts yeah, as you want, but I did read that book, so you yeah. can't take that away from me. No, no, not, no resolutions for me. You know, a good January. That's about as far as it, it'll get. A good January. As in, yeah, you know, light on booze, mm. high on veg, and exercise. Uh, <laughs> just generally try and shift all this weight that I've put on. <laughs> when I arrived here, you were in the middle of your lunch, 
Like it, it looked, it looked like a pretty, you know, pretty simple, healthy lunch. There's a piece of chicken, <laughs> some potatoes, and a whole load of veg. And I was like, oh, that's quite impressive. You know, I said to myself, oh, I'm quite impressed with saying actually. Uh, but you left all the veg. <laughs> the plate was still full of veg. It's garnish, isn't it? But so I mean, I suppose for yourself, you feel like you know, it's it, you're offering yourself some encouragement there. I suppose, aren't you? Dishing that veg up is. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, that's a big step. It's half the so battle. Maybe next year I'll eat it. <laughs> yeah. Well, it sounds like you do have sort of a, a New Year's resolution there, too. And I can think of a few New Year's resolutions for the England cricket team. The top one being get better at cricket. God, this is topical. Did you like that segue? Yeah, very nice. Although, to be fair, I say they should get better at cricket. They did do a little bit better in the fourth test at the MCG than they did in the previous three in this Ashes series. We're squeezing this episode in under the wire tone, aren't we? Uh, the, the fifth and final test in Sydney gets underway in just a few hours' time. So by the time people are listening to this, uh, or by the time the vast majority of people are listening to this, it almost certainly will be underway. But uh, we've just about got enough time uh, to talk about that Boxing Day test in Melbourne. Uh, the teams are going to Sydney with a score still at 3-0 after this test ended as a draw australia won the toss for the first time in the series and they started well with david warner making 100 steve smith 76 sean marsh 61 certainly a lunch on on day one with warner smashing runs everywhere it was looking uh, very worrying but england fought back really well jimmy anderson taking three wickets stuart broad four for 51 and australia there's a bit of a collapse at the end in a way that we haven't really seen so far in the series they were all out for 327 England with then with the, by far their best batting performance of the series. Alistair Cook carrying his bat. He finished not out on 244 uh, and some some quite surprising runs from, from Broad as well, 56, uh, meant that they made 491. So a big first innings lead. Uh, but there was a bit of rain on day four, uh, but still on day five, there was an opportunity for England to win the game. They did take a couple of early wickets, but Steve Smith with yet another incredible innings he finished 102 not out from 275 balls uh, and the captains shook hands with Australia on 263 for four uh, which meant that yeah as I say the game finished as a draw so great news Tone it's not a whitewash uncork the champers upload one of those temporary Facebook profile photos with the little graphic at the bottom Put on some Michael Bublé and, and run yourself a bubble bath because it is not a whitewash. England have not been whitewashed in Australia. How delighted were you by this news on a scale of one to delighted? Uh, <clears throat> I don't know, really. It, it was all right, was it? I mean, it was a, a very drab test uh, all round. Well, not all round. There were some, there were some good moments and some, some high points. Uh, but a, a drab finish, anyway, at least. Uh, but, yeah, I think... As an England fan, pretty pleased to see, you'd have to say, to see England not uh, yeah, being rolled over entirely. Yeah, I think if we see them put in a good performance in Sydney, actually you could say, that yeah, they've relinquished the ashes, but if they can draw or even nick it and see, as long as they don't get thumped by an innings and, and something, then I think it will, be, it will be a frustrating tour rather than a, a desperately disappointing one. Yes, there's so there's, there's a lot. Right, I mean, we'll come on to Sydney in terms of obviously the series is gone, you know, the urn's gone. But in terms of the the sort of momentum of the uh, of the duel between Australia and England, it's an important Test match, the fifth one. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. Like um, to an extent, you know, it's difficult to judge this game at the moment, and it, it does depend on uh, to judge this performance. I mean, it does depend 
on what happens in Sydney because yes, as you say, if they lose by an innings, this draw looks like an aberration. Whereas if they play well and get another good result, then you could start to reassess the way that they've performed over this series, maybe, or at least it, it tempers things or offers some encouragement going forward. I mean, it definitely was a it was a much improved performance. You know, just taken in isolation, it was it was certainly a, a much improved performance from England. As I say, their best batting display of the series by an absolute mile. The bowlers put on a good show in the first innings as well. Stuart Broad looking like, well, looking like himself, really, for, for the first time all tour. And, and as I say, deservedly bagging four wickets. How did you feel about it, though, in terms of this, you know, as I say, it is an improved performance. How do you feel about that? It has, it's divided opinion a bit, hasn't it? Is it, is it pleasing that they've managed to improve? Uh, that they haven't folded in a heap, that they won't be whitewashed? Or actually, is your main emotion frustration because all it does is show that they can do better than what they showed in the first three games uh ever so slightly the latter um i think you know we've been disappointed the whole way along because as you got up to three nil yeah it was a very you know three very one-sided results yeah england's best players world-class players undoubtedly perhaps you know, coming towards the end of their careers, but still with plenty to give, underperforming. So, so in that sense, yeah, uh, you know, to get that payoff of a, at least a draw, uh, and ha- and have Australia somewhat under the cosh slightly, at a couple of points. Uh, no, I think that's. I think you can just be pleased with it. And there was a lot of nonsense spoken about, you know, whether runs count uh, or like scores or performances count if they're in dead rubbers. I mean, I don't think there are any, these. These are dead rubbers. I mean, I do think there's a sense, though, that you can't really... It's hard to ascertain how much Australia took their eye slightly off the ball, how much it yeah, affects them, having won the series already. Mm. Do they are they slightly less bothered? Also, the pitch didn't really uh, offer... You know, didn't offer much. And then, you know, without Stark, he's probably their best bowler. But then again, yeah, there, there, there are so many yeah. there are so many factors on either side that you could uh, but there are certainly you could of, roll into a nice essay. There are, well, I'd like you to have it on my desk by tomorrow morning, <laughs> if possible. Yeah, there are extenuating circumstances for Australia, and I, I seem to remember that we were we were a little bit mocking of you know Australia, like the the sense that Australia had you know turned a corner when they won the fifth Test at the Oval in 2015. You know, because England were three one up going into that game. And then Australia won it really well. And a lot of people were like, oh, well, this is, you know, maybe we can look at the series in a different way. And I seem to remember us being like, well, it's too late. So who cares? Um, and there's definitely an element of that here. And they, England didn't even win. They drew. As a, in terms of a comparison, I was thinking about um, Arsenal Football Club. Uh, do you remember earlier in the season when they won the North London Derby and beat Spurs? And their fans were getting very excited, or a lot of their fans were getting very excited. But people were rightly pointing out, well, it's great that you can beat Spurs now, but actually you've got to do it over the course of the season and over the last couple of seasons, Spurs have been comfortably better than Arsenal. And yeah, one good performance is all well and good, but couldn't you have done this a little bit earlier, Mesut? I mean, <laughs> I mean, Alistair. But I know what you mean. It's not, I, I, I don't agree with, yeah, as you said, there was, there was a lot of nonsense spoken about the fact, oh, this is a dead rubber, so oh, it doesn't, doesn't count. Well, there's, that means you're going to have to wipe a lot of... Uh, performances and records from test history from the history books aren't you if you you know brian lara's 400 doesn't count because it's in a dead rope you know it's that's yeah. patently silly isn't it so and you know in in some eyes you might think it actually counts more in a way because the pride and the criticism 
or potential criticism that would be would be coming their way at the end of a whitewash and the dent to pride and having lost three tests in a row in you know moderately to fairly convincing fashion now it took a lot of gumption and, and a lot of uh resilience probably mm. to, to come up with that yeah and you know for all that we can sort of dismiss this as a you know oh it's too late and it's only a draw well I think it'd have probably killed a man for a draw on the last, you know, in the last Ashes tour. So yeah, I mean, I still think yeah, it's only a small crumb of comfort, isn't it? I still th- it's still three nil, and I still think that three nil feels about right on the balance of play. You know, from what we've seen so far, there's no doubt that Australia have proved themselves to be a better team than England in this series, certainly in these conditions, and they do deserve to be well ahead. Although you know, there are there are fine margins in Test cricket sometimes, and if you know, if England had, you know, perhaps if the rain hadn't come down and England had found a way to win this game, it might have been that purely that if they'd bowled better on the first morning in Adelaide, they might have won that game as well. And then it could be two all. I mean, these are, there's a lot of ifs here. And uh, I'm not suggesting that it deserves to be two all, but it is slightly fine margins, isn't it? It's so, it's so, it looks so one sided 3 0. But actually, you know, there are a, a couple of uh, key days in the series where it, it could, we could be looking at something completely different. And I, although I think an Australian victory is definitely the right result here, I don't think the gap is as big as it was four years ago. How much of a consolation that is, I don't know. <laughs> but I think that is the case. In terms of the frustration that, that England haven't played better sooner, and you've alluded to this already, probably the epitome of that is Cook, isn't it? Um, he was desperately poor in the first three tests, didn't even make it to 50. And then uh, it turns in, an absolutely monumental innings here, 244 not out. The first Englishman to carry his bat for the, the best part of 20 years, I think Mike Atherton was the last one. It's his fifth hundred against Australia. All of them have been in Australia, which is quite interesting. It's his 32nd Test 100 overall. His fourth double hundred, and actually three of his last five Test 100s have been doubles. So he's developing, you know, he seems to be developing a bit of a tendency to to go really big when he gets in. His hundreds are more infrequent now, aren't they? But but when he gets in, he, he goes big. Uh, but yeah, I can ask you the same question about him that I asked you about the team as a whole. Is it good to see this from Cook or is it just disappointing that he couldn't, you know, he couldn't deliver when it actually mattered? No, it was good to see it from Cook. I'd, again, you know, most cricketers will divide, or most sports people divide opinion, uh, don't they? And, you know, Cook does divide opinion, but... It is probably a little bit unfair, most of it. I mean, he, yeah, he has gone through large portions of, of, uh, of fallow batting. Yeah, that, that will lead people to say, you know, perhaps he's got a sort of gilded position in the team. He's, it's, but for me, and I think I said it on the last part, I can't remember if I did, the, you know, he, he is sort of undroppable, uh, rightly or wrongly. You, you gamble with him in a good or bad team, and England have a weaker team at the moment overall, worth a gamble, and, you know, Without Cook, if it had been, I don't know, anyone else in this series, would they have done any better than one massive double hundred to save, what, to save a test, but to, to secure a draw? Yeah, well, he's, he's certainly undroppable, if only because there's nobody else. I mean, England, yeah. England still haven't found a replacement for Andrew Strauss. So like, <laughs> to think about finding a replacement for Alistair Cook isn't, uh, isn't uh, enormously appealing. And as I said last time, he's still only 32. He could play another five six seven years of test cricket if he wants to he's not playing the other formats um so i think as long as he wants to keep going he's worth persevering with i mean it was looking a bit worrying wasn't it but 
this innings, I suppose, at least shows that he can still do it. Yeah, he didn't have to face Mitchell Stark, but it, it's not the case that he's lost the ability to to bed in and make runs against high-class bowling. There might be an issue with his concentration or, or something, but you know, it's not the case that he's just completely lost the ability to do it in the way that someone like Matthew Hayden or Sachin Tendulkar did at the end of their careers. So I think there's still hope for Cook, certainly. And it's great to see him get 100 against Australia, I think, because he'd gone 18 tests without 100 against Australia. And, you know, for an Ashes legend, he doesn't actually have a great record in the Ashes. Even after this innings, his average against Australia is 40, which isn't disastrous, but it's six or seven runs below his career average. Um, And, yeah, he's got those five Ashes 100s in 34 matches, which means, and I've done a bit of maths here, saying he scores 100 against Australia every 6.8 tests. And against everyone else, it's uh, every 4.3 tests. So yeah, he actually he has a substantially worse record against Australia than anybody else. But he's going to go down as an Ashes legend, isn't he? But yeah, I mean, hopefully he'll push on now. But it remains to be seen. I think you said you were getting a bit annoyed with um, with some of the commentators talking about Cook uh, and saying, you know, oh, people were writing him off. Yeah, there was definitely an air of that after a century uh, and was, double was it, century. Was it like Swan? And, I think Swan and. Uh, probably boycott as well probably boycott. probably boy- I, I, I need to put my neck on the line and say boycott <laughs> probably did it uh and yeah we, we all you know us cricket pundits we all do it don't we you could probably certainly go back through the archives of the world Creek show and find me flip-flopping on everything uh over the years but you know in the space of a few days i think swan went from being like well you know and you know you think swan knows him very well mm. you would think him being like oh you know oh, i know alistair and yeah, you just you just wonder is the hunger there? You know, I think he's gonna make he's gonna have a decision to make, uh, and you know now he does that, and then I think Swan was was basically just like you know people will write him off, people will say he doesn't that's hunger, you know all this <laughs> yeah. kind of stuff. And you're like, well, that's not what you were saying two weeks ago, mm. but, uh, but yeah, but then when you're on the spot, you say stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's what I found that's, over the years. That's very true. Yeah, three hundred and fourteen episodes of this show. Our testament to that. I mean, if if Cook can get back to his best, it does make a huge difference to the quality of that batting lineup, doesn't it? And obviously, Root hasn't had a great series either, and there are questions developing about, you know, more generally about Root um, and his inability to convert fifties to hundreds. But he is at least still making those fifties, and say, so, you know, Root in the middle order, Bearstow at six or seven, Stokes to come back in, and I think Milan and Stoneman have both made strides in this series. Milan perhaps more than Stoneman, but you know, Stoneman's looked okay, hasn't he? Neither of them the finished article by any means. But suddenly, there's reasons to be optimistic about the batting. It's not a million miles off being a test quality lineup, and and you know that this is definitely a. a a charitable reading of of how things have gone, but it's possible that there's been some progress in the batting in this series. Uh, charitable reading, which which is which is something, isn't it? Um, yeah, and, you, and you'd probably say as well, bringing that batting lineup back to England in the summer, you know, you'd probably feel like well, quite excited to see how it goes. You know, I, I, who knows what will happen between now and then, and, and you know whether there might be changes. I don't know. I mean, what, what, at this point, what do you think the batting line is going to be for the first test of the summer? Or in New Zealand, even? Well, this I suppose not, it's going to have to be the same in New Zealand, more or less. Yeah, well, you'd imagine it'd be more or less the same in New Zealand. But, but this is what I mean, because I think suddenly it looks like, with the possible exception of Vince, you'd say that it looks like it could be this batting lineup. 
And going into the series, I wouldn't have said that. I wouldn't have said that I'd expect this to be the batting lineup for the long term. So yeah, as I say, that's that's something to hang your hat on, isn't it? I'm sure I'll regret saying that. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, we'll play like, that back. Like it you. feels like Stoneman's had a decent series, but he's not actually made a hundred yet, has he? And he's, you know, what, I don't know what he's averaging, but it's probably about thirty. You know, he's yeah, he's averaging twenty nine point seven one. Right. So he's not, you know, he's not exactly setting the world alight, is he? But he he at least looks like he's got the technique to succeed at this level. He's not unlike you know some of the other guys who've been tried there, Robson. Adam Lythe, you know, people who a big technical weakness was exposed. We haven't really seen that. And I think no. you would be confident about him scoring runs in New Zealand, in England, going, you know, next summer, etc. Yeah, and I think there was a fear, I certainly had a fear going into the series that, you know, one, probably two of those three might have been found out completely to the, or, you know, or not found out, that's probably not the right expression, but might have been, you know, put to the sword to the extent where they'd actually, would you know, because we haven't seen Gary Balance yet. No. Uh, would we, I don't know, did you imagine that that would be the case? I, going hope, into the I fifth- <laughs> hoped that that would be the case. Harsh. <laughs> but going to the fifth test, you would have thought, well, you know, uh, yeah, there was a fear that one of those wouldn't have made it. But the fact that we're talking about them as potentially, well, I'm thinking about them as potentially playing the first test, you know, getting through to the summer, the English summer, then you know, that, that, you know, they've done a decent enough job. I mean, we've lost three. <laughs> we're, we're potentially going to lose 4-0, but, you know. But yeah. yeah you know, but well done. They've done all right. Done all I right. think the only thing Gary Balance has done on this tour is host a pub quiz. <laughs> <laughs> he apparently was uh, in charge of organising and hosting a quiz on one of their nights off. So, you know, it's good to have him along, isn't it? Well, it's a lot of time to prepare the questions. <laughs> just, he, just imagining him just like, clicking around on wikipedia googling pub quiz questions online website <laughs> or just all the questions just like who has a higher test average <laughs> james vince or gary balance <laughs> just trying to wheedle his way into the i don't, to be fair, I don't know what balance is average in the summer of 2014 which england debutant <laughs> scored <laughs> averaged 60 plus against india <laughs> was it james vince or was it gary balance which, yeah, which England middle-order batsman's middle name is Simon? <laughs> which England middle-order batsman who should definitely be in the team <laughs> yeah. has the middle name of Simon? I mean, you've kind of uh, hinted at this already, but would it be fair to say that this was, you know, for all that we've just spent ages talking about it, would it be fair to say that this was quite a forgettable <laughs> test? You know, obviously, it's the Ashes, it's the Boxing Day test. You know, there's lots, there, are, there is lots of things to talk about around the individual performances. Kirk, Broad, you know, the Smith we'll come on to in a second. But as a game of cricket, it wasn't fantastic, was it? It was, you know, the final afternoon wasn't the most high-octane bit of sport you're ever likely to watch. No. I mean, it was, it, was, it was still alive at lunch, wasn't it? It's easy to think now that the whole final day was a write-off. But actually, at lunch on day five, England was still in with a chance of forcing a win. But well before tea, it was clear what was happening. And then there was like several hours of just watching the ball hit the middle of Steve Smith's bat after that. And that's partly the pitch. I mean, there was not a lot in that pitch. Both captains said afterwards that, you know, they could have played another three or four days and it, it wouldn't have done anything. It, you know, wouldn't have deteriorated any further. And and uh, I think, you know, the MCG have been reprimanded for the ICC have rated that pitch as poor. And I'm glad to see that because they haven't always done that in the past. They've often, you know, very flat wickets, nothing's happened. Whereas wickets that do a lot, you know, that spin from ball one or, or you know, uneven bounce or whatever, that they get reprimands whereas flat wickets don't and actually the flat wickets are much worse for the game i think that's actually the biggest threat to test cricket is is flat pitches 
But having said all that, you know, had the positions been reversed, I'm not totally convinced that England wouldn't have collapsed had they been in that position on the final morning. You know, four wickets down, still behind. Yeah, as I say, it's easy now to think, well, it was always going to be a draw. But actually, it wasn't always going to be a draw in Australia. And particularly Steve Smith uh, do deserve a lot of credit. This was another remarkable innings from Smith. It's his third hundred of the series. And he's got a 50 as well. He's only been out for less than 50 twice, and both times were at Adelaide. Uh, he's got 604 runs so far, an average of 150. Uh, not his most memorable of his 23 test centuries, but in the context of the match, it was another extremely important one. As I say, at lunch, England were sniffing victory, and he just, you know, he took that little bit of hope and he bludgeoned it to death. Um, I've more or less run out of things to say about Steve Smith. Tone, have you, have you got anything left to say? Not much, really. Uh, yeah, <sighs> like, run out, run out. I'm trying to rack my brains. Well, I lied a little bit because I've I've got one thing to say, Go which on, is that one stat, uh, which is that I mean, my New Year's resolution was to stop lying, stop f-ing lying all the time. <laughs> so I failed already because I do have something to say about Steve Smith. Twenty-three Test hundreds, Tane, is the same number as Verinda Savag. It's the same number as Kevin Peterson, Justin Langer. Javid Miandad. I mean, these are all like legends of the game, aren't they? And Smith's played 60 tests. And those four guys played respectively 104, 104, 105, and 124. Smith, uh, Viv Richards made 24 test hundreds. So Smith's one behind him. And Richards played more than twice the number of games that Smith played. And Richards really is like one of the ultimate legends of the game, isn't he? So what um, are you trying to say here? Well, I don't know. What am I trying to say? I'm just, I'm just asking questions. Well, that wasn't really a question, was it? <laughs> oh, well, this is a question. Can he keep it up? Will it, do you see him tailing off at any point? Or will, do you think he'll finish his career with a test average of over 60, with you know a possible Tendulkar threatening number of hundreds? <laughs> That's a great question. I mean, if he does keep it up, he'll go past Tendulkar, assuming he, if, if he were to play the same number of games. Tendulkar, 200 tests, 51 hundreds. Uh, so Smith's made almost half that many uh, in less than a third the number of games. I mean, yeah, it's been a yeah, it's a, it's a staggering thing, and I think that the fact that no one has got any answers to him, certainly in this England team, but you know, no, very few of people watching it either are coming up with anything useful. But it's not just one summer or two summers or a few series. Is it? He's been you know pretty much since he got his first century, he's been accumulating them regularly and so we're going back since he became good since since he became good so you you know you're going back four years aren't you Mm. uh so yeah it's certainly no flash in the pan that's for sure the astonishing thing is the why why i mentioned the hundreds is the astonishing thing is the number of hundreds he scored more hundreds than 50s uh which is phenomenal really like someone like viv richards as i say he made 24 test hundreds he made 45 50s um, so in terms of the, the number of times he went past 50, it's a lot more than Smith. Uh, but Smith's about to equal the number of hundreds. So, I mean, that's that's what's so extraordinary. Just the 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 uh, concentration and the determination. It's, it's hard to overstate his achievements here. I mean, you say England haven't found any answers. I mean, that is one thing that you could say against him, I suppose, is that he's maybe not right now, at least, and possibly in this era, he's not facing the, the quality of bowling that some of the other names on the you know the all-time uh, centuries list had to face, and there is still possibly a question about his ability to cope with the swinging ball. There's an interesting stat 
uh, from Andrew Sampson, the, the BBC's um, stats guy, uh, which is that in the in this Ashes series and the previous one in England, Smith averaged 17 at Cardiff, Birmingham, Nottingham and Adelaide. Uh, whereas at Lords, the Oval, Brisbane, Perth and Melbourne, he averages 100, 194. And the difference there is that on the first of those lists, the ball swung at each of those venues. In the second list, it didn't swing. Um, and yeah, th- his technique is such that when it does move around, he's definitely vulnerable. So that's something that could be said against him. But not that many batsmen are at their best against the swinging ball, are they? And it's not like he's just a home track bully. Like he, Yes, he's got an outstanding record in Australia, but he's also scored runs in India. He scored runs in the UAE, South Africa, New Zealand, the Caribbean. He scored runs all over the world. Um, yeah, when the ball swings, he might struggle a bit, but he's done well against spin. He's done well against on bouncy pitches. You know, he's he's a more complete player than that stat alone might suggest. Yeah, I mean, what, he made three hundreds in four tests in India. Yeah, and you know, and that's they are the they're the benchmark side at the moment in their in their own turf. So, you know, that is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, I mean, I think it's harsh to to be. Well, I don't know. You know, perhaps you'd like to see him as he gets older, see what, you know, again, have another crack at, at the swinging ball. Uh, you know, not many people, not many of that Australian batting lineup had much luck mm. in those matches. So you've, you've sort of, you've scratched around and, and found one thing to level at him. But I mean, you, what's he you got? 604 runs in the series so far. I mean, he, a cheeky triple and he'll be pretty close to Brabham's record for, for number of runs in an Ashes series. A cheeky triple. Yeah, a century. That's how you start most of your nights out, isn't it? <laughs> a century uh, or more in this final test, and yeah, he's sort of in there with the. Yeah, you know, we get very close to the top of uh, that that Ashes run scoring in a series record. What did Cook get? Was it seven hundred and something? Seven sixty six. Okay, so he could go past that, but yeah, he'd ne- he'd need another test like this one. But you wouldn't necessarily bet against that. Yeah, exactly. He just need a bit of time at the crease, wouldn't he? Yeah. Yeah, no, mightily, yeah, I mean, everyone's said a lot about him. He's a good player. He's decent. Yeah. Well, actually, Australia go to South Africa, don't they, in March? So that could be quite interesting because, you know, that, the South Africa bowling attack, you'd have to say, is is quite a bit better than England's. And Smith's had success against them before. But yeah, that, that'll that be a, a sterner test, you'd imagine. I mean, I, I can't imagine, well, I, given that he's, he's sort of carving out a position for himself now as probably the best batsman, not just around at the moment but in test cricket certainly the best batsman of the last I don't know five to ten years mm. maybe longer so that's an extraordinary place to, to to arrive at having come in as a you know bit part bits and pieces this and that player comedian <laughs> yeah maybe Gary Balance could go on that's huge but yeah no, but I mean I was actually you know I was trying to wrap my brain to think of anyone who's even maybe for me I don't know in England particularly who's come in as one thing and gone on to be even moderately successful mm. as a sort of different kind of player. I, I couldn't think of any. I mean, you could argue Moeen, maybe, yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. His, his role, you know, he's bedded himself in as a, in a different role to the one he came into, but obviously not to the same level of success. No, but yeah, he, did, he came in as a, a batting all-rounder, didn't he? And batted six in his first test. But then for for Moeen or for for a bowler to have matched what Smith, he would Moeen would be taking like he'd be getting sort of match figures of 
10 wickets well, plus yeah. every other test. I can only think of players who've like, gone in the other direction, <laughs> who have come in built as one thing and failed to do it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like Chris Wokes, who came in and he batted six in his first test as well and was like going to be a genuine all-rounder and now is still a good batsman, but is you know very much a bowler who bats. Stuart Broad, similar. At one point, he was going to be an all-rounder. He batted seven in, in a test. But now, I mean, he did get 50 in this game, but that's his first runs he scored for about five years. But yeah, I'm not really providing examples of the kind you're looking for, am I? No. Something else I wanted to talk about, just a couple more uh, DRS talking points, uh, which is actually not to do with the umpires this time. Obviously, on our last show, we had a long discussion about the... Uh, the misuse of DRS by Alim Dar and the other umpires. Uh, but this time the talking point was to do with the batsmen in England's innings, first James Vince and then David Milan, uh, both failed to review LBW decisions uh, when it was shown on the replay quite clearly that they'd edged the ball. So it, it hit the bat and it would have been overturned on review, but n- neither of them opted to review. Now, Strap in tone, because I, I, I think you know what's coming, and I know you've heard me uh, go on about this many times. I think I bang on about this pr- even more than I bang on about the whole, you know, oh, what a stupid shot thing. Probably even more than I bang on about Moeen Alley. So uh, I know you've heard this a lot. You can just get your phone out and stop. Yeah, just Temple Run or something. Catch up on my emails. <laughs> but yes, uh, the commentators, when this was happening, the commentators on BT, there was just this, like, complete sense of bewilderment that these batsmen had not reviewed the decision Mike Hussey was like I don't understand I don't understand why would they not review that you always know when you hit it why would they not review it that I, I genuinely don't understand how people haven't clocked on to the fact that TRS is proving that batsmen don't always know when they hit it like Mike Hussey's like well why would he not review it if, <laughs> if he knew that he hit it here's an idea Mike maybe he didn't know that he hit it like because what other conclusion is there Aside, like if James Vince felt that he'd nicked the ball and it hit his pad and he was given that LBW, why would like there's literally yeah, he, no reason why he wouldn't review it? If he's like, oh, I've nicked that, I'm not, he's like, <laughs> yeah. I just want to get out of it, you know, I'm like, go for a pint, can't want to hang around in here anymore, not reviewing it. So the only conclusion is that he didn't know, therefore, like, and we've seen this many times, therefore proving that batsmen don't always know when they hit it. And this is something that DRS has just shown us that we maybe didn't know before, but the reason that the commentators find this so baffling is because they felt that they always knew when they hit it when they were playing but there wasn't DRS at the time to show them all the times when they did hit it that they didn't know about but this is just by definition isn't it you think you're like well I know all the, I always know when I hit it well what about all the times when you hit it and you didn't know how would <laughs> it's, you it's know Rumsfeld about this cricket isn't it <laughs> yeah there's known knowns there's unknown unknowns yeah. And that is one of the unknown. Well, quite right, because exactly, because they would, they, you know, back in the day, back in their day, back in Hussey's day, they would have known, they would have been able to review the footage, but they would have been like, oh, it's gone past the bat. Yeah. Whereas well, now you see a hot snake and a hotspot. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess Hussey was kind of towards the tail end of that, so um, you'd think he might, it might have happened to him in his career, but I, I don't know. But certainly, you know, the likes of both of them, who always goes on about it, and others who uh, their careers ended long before DRS. This is the thing, yeah. When they they obviously they only knew when they knew (laughs) they they didn't know when they didn't know um so yes i just feel like i need to uh, get into the commentary box and knock a few heads together yeah we'll send you over there you should arrive just in time for for day three uh no i I think it's a very valid point uh thanks and it it, it, like 
as you say, the sort of the consternation in the commentary mm, box. That's the word. Is almost is is is, is baffling as the the point. If they were just like, oh, I always felt like, mm. I, I always felt like I knew when I'd hit it, but they're not like, they're like, what are they doing? Like, <laughs> what, like what's he doing? Yeah, what, like, what is he, what is James Vince doing? He hasn't reviewed that. Like, there's literally <laughs> only one reason why he wouldn't review it. He didn't know. It does beg the question. I mean, for me, the review, the whole review thing has been sort of come into a new light for me in this series because it has been at times excruciating, a bit frustrating. Doesn't hasn't always felt fair. I, I don't know. I kind of feel like if you're going to have, I know that the, the, having two reviews and if it, if it's carried, you you retain it and and whatnot because you can't review everything. But for the for example, the vin, maybe there should be like two decisions in the dressing room so that or like two wild cards or something where you say, well, for the Vince one, the guys in the dressing room can be like, boom, that was instantly a nick. Let's review it. Yeah, well, that's interesting. So take it out of the batsman's hands. I feel, instinctively, I feel against that idea, but I'm struggling to articulate why. I don't know. I, 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 yeah, definitely DRS. I'm a big DRS fan. It removes all the rickets and the absolute anger from stupid decisions where it's yeah, not just feathered off you know, the inside edge, but where it's been like chopped onto the, the pad and mm. the umpire's given it out. Uh, but... Yeah, I don't know. I, it just it hasn't quite sit. It hasn't quite sat right with me in this series. I mean, mostly it's been good though, hasn't it? Over the last few years, like we, we talk about umpiring decisions, umpiring controversies, way less than we used to ten years ago. Like even pre podcast, pre like before the time we were actually getting together to talk about cricket. You know, on a I was going to say professional basis. But that, <laughs> that might be generous. Um, you know, just in our day-to-day lives, I felt like most of the things I talked to you about was umpiring blunders. Like, there's no doubt that it's removed a lot of controversy from the game. It's just when these things crop up occasionally, they're perhaps more noticeable. Yeah, um, and maybe as well there's that sort of the the echo chamber of Twitter means that hmm. things that perhaps we didn't, that weren't issues back in the day, suddenly now are getting like scrutinised and uh, and, and and you know float to the top. I, I mean, you know, I've seen people in this series tweeting about the the thickness of the uh, the crease line mm. in Australia and whether you know, and at times being like, well, it shouldn't be that thick because it they haven't quite you know. I don't. And those aren't things that you perhaps would have necessarily been made a big mm. deal of back in the day. But yeah, and, and actually, to be fair as well, a lot of our criticism of it this series has been the actual manning of the third umpire station. Yeah, that's the thing for me. Like I'm I'm. I'm a big fan of DRS. I think it's really improved cricket, but that makes it even more frustrating for me when something happens like Alim Dara in the last test because I don't think it's that difficult. And I think, you know, to see it used so badly is just, you know, maddening. Do you think they're just they're like watching it on like just a tiny screen? They're like trying to make out what's going <laughs> just on. On a bigger TV. On a Game Boy or something. Something else I know you flagged up to me earlier in the week was mm. uh, George Dobell's article about bullshit in the ashes or something being the ashes being swallowed in its own bog yeah the, the ashes are sinking in a mire of its own bullshit that was it yeah. i feel like we just talk about george de bell articles every <laughs> week on this show now it's just reading george de bell so you don't have to <laughs> is our new slogan um, it's basically just like all the the stuff about the the bancroft and the bearstow and the that now the ball tampering in this mm. thing. Uh, yeah, I think England, it, England were accused of ball tampering mainly by the Australian media. Rather yeah, than 
players or officials or anything at some point during the game. That's that all seems to have died off very quietly, hasn't it? I mean, I, I don't. I'm not that familiar with the Australian media, I have to say. Mm. I do think though that it's a, you just got to ignore it to a certain extent. Is You're that, a regular like, on British media, aren't you? You're always <laughs> yeah. on loose women and yeah, always turning. But up. I think like when it does, I don't know. Like in terms of like sort of tabloid stories, when it it's then when like the likes of the BBC start talking about, it, then it then it's just then it is a thing. Mm. Whereas I don't know, maybe they should just you know respectable organizations should just not bother giving it any daylight yeah well that whole thing was a bit of a nonsense and it, really. yeah and going back to i think i think uh he george de bell references it in the article uh in his article just about and i, I said it at the time as well i mean i wrote the article basically on the pod uh over the course of five episodes <laughs> uh but you know it was the way like the, the bancroft headbutt was was reported as like a, as an assault a nightclub assault mm. when you know yeah it was whatever okay whatever it was it certainly wasn't an assault and you know and then it's then when you know like you go to the bbc sport homepage and the, the headline is like yeah, inverted commas nightclub assault then it, that's what it is then that's what it's become yeah so yeah no i i did it i agreed with a lot of uh what george bell had to say but it, it did also at times it came over to me as a little bit sensitive like oversensitive which is probably a bit unfair and he's obviously been in australia for several months surrounded by it all the time so i completely understand why you'd be feeling like that um, but it seemed a little bit like he was you know it, it was a bit defensive maybe um about the england team and the way they've been treated like I, I don't know if it's necessarily been much worse than on previous tours um i mean he you know people literally said that to him and he said yes he thinks it has which is fair enough i but for me i'm like sitting comfortably here in guernsey not you know not close up to any of it i'm i just sort of move on from those forget about them like and you know until you mentioned ball tampering like i <laughs> i'd completely forgotten that that happened and that was only four or five days ago whereas probably for someone like george de bell who's out there at the you know it's it's all kind of in his face all the time mm. um so that might be partly why but it's a good article though you know it's worth reading although people don't have to read it now because we've you know yeah we've summed it it's up on the business mm. One test to go then, as I say, uh, it all gets going in Sydney uh, worryingly soon, given that I've got to edit this and upload it before it starts. What do you reckon, Anto? Have you, have you developed Ashes fatigue yet, or are you, uh, are you still excited for this final game? Uh, I haven't, no, I haven't developed fatigue really. I'm, yeah, uh, yeah, I'll be watching. I'll say that. I'm, I'm, I'm not excited for it. I'm not like... I haven't got a buzz. Mm. I'm not sort of feeling a buzz about it, but uh, yeah, in, yeah, interested to see how it all rounds up. <laughs> yeah, uh, interesting to see what we're going to be talking about in the next pod. I suppose <laughs> interesting to see you know what happens in <laughs> in, in uh, the world. Yeah, over the next few years. I suppose it's kind of like watching the news, isn't it? You're never really like, excited about it, but you just watch because mandatory, isn't it? Yeah, and in this case, it's it's you know, it's your profession, isn't it? Is to watch cricket and then come here and talk to me about it. Exactly. Yeah, remarkable. I've been able to you know, pay myself a living wage out of this <laughs> to make a comfortable living. Oh, we haven't been able to pay you yet. But <laughs> yeah, I'd noticed that. <laughs> I really regret giving you control of the account. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. 
PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. <laughs> much like when I discovered I'd been overlooked once again on the New Year's Honours list, this episode of the World Cricket Show has been a real punch to the stomach, and it's probably best that we try to forget about it as swiftly as possible. Uh, but before we do, Tone, I'd like to mention quickly the test series that's about to kick off in South Africa. India are in town for three tests. And I reckon this has got all the makings of a classic series, Tone. India have obviously been on an incredible run in test cricket over the past couple of years. They're the number one side in the world by, by some distance now. Uh, but all of that success that they've had has been at home, hasn't it? Or at least on the subcontinent. Uh, since the start of 2015, which, uh, if my um, brief bit of uh, maths on this piece of paper here is, is correct, is three years ago. Um, since then, they've played 31 tests and they've won 21 of them and they've only lost two, which looks on the face of it like a, you know, like a jaw-droppingly good record. But of those 31 tests, only four have been outside the subcontinent and those were in the Caribbean. Um, so they haven't played at all in England, Australia, New Zealand or South Africa in that time. And 20 of those 31 tests have been at home. Um, so it's not a crime to win at home. It's very impressive that they have been that impregnable at home. But it's been difficult, I think, to get too excited about this India team, hasn't it? You know, the fact that they're number one in the world and a lot of India fans, you know, talk a very big game about this India side. But it's, it's hard to know, hard to gauge where they are. Hard to know uh, how good they actually are. As with everyone else, they're they're not winning away from home. Uh, the only difference is, in their case, they've they've not given themselves the opportunity to win away from home. So this is where it changes, isn't it? And this could be Tone a very exciting series. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And it you know it, it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? Because this India thing has been this India thing, this India cricket thing has been building for a while. Uh, but but this this team. You know, led by Kohli, who in that time has has really become, you know, a, a super superstar. Mm. Uh, you can and, have a go at him again here. No, not at all. Because, but it, it is exciting, isn't it? You know, it's it's one v two in the rankings, uh, and it, and it's not just Kohli. The bowlers as well. It'll be interesting to see how they do. But you know, Pajara. There there are, there are players who've done really really well in the last couple of years, and yeah, just. I mean, yeah, this is a big year for India. They've got to come to England. They've got to come to England. But they're coming to England. So And Australia at the end of the year. So, well, yeah. So, so How much do we know about them? Well, we're going to find out plenty about them over the next 12 months. You know, if they, if they win those three series, then 
yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll start saying, well, yeah, it's not a classic England or Australia side or yeah. whatever. But yeah, if they do win these three series, then uh, they've got the potential to to carve themselves out as as a special team. Yeah, I mean, if they if they beat South Africa in this series, then I think you know we almost certainly are looking at the best team in the world right now. But as you say, if they win all three series this year, then yeah, we could potentially be looking at a great Test team. Um, but that's a big if, and the, you know, there's a lot of cricket to be played and. I, I just think there's genuine uncertainty because, as I say, it's really hard to know how good they are. They've they've been so dominant, but it's all been in conditions that every other team find incredibly difficult. Um, and as I say, that's not India's fault, and they've still been really impressive in doing that. But it's just like I'm just, I'm really quite excited about this series because I'm I, I'm I think it could be a really good contest, and it's going to be exciting to see how to get a sense of how good India actually are. And as you say, how good some of those individual players actually are. And then on the other side, South Africa have been a bit up and down in test cricket of late, you know, not quite at the level that they were three or four years ago, obviously lost in England recently. But they've got, unlike in that England series, a full strength squad to pick from, including A.B. de Villiers and possibly Dale Steyn, although he seems to have been ruled out of the first game, he's apparently fit, but they think he might be a bit undercooked. But he could be playing, you know, the second and third tests, which is exciting, isn't it? How excited are you to see those two in action again? Very. Yeah. Two, two of the great cricketers in the world, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, uh, huge excited. And, and, you know, and Rabada coming through mm. as well, uh, you know, getting better all the time. Morkel was great against England. Actually, that's a really, like, tough selection dilemma, isn't it? If, if and when Stain is selectable. Presumably, they'd pick three from Stain, Rabada, Morkel, and Philander. Who do you leave out there? I mean, it's a mouth-watering prospect, isn't it? That yeah. Whichever three they do pick, bowling at that Indian top order, Pajara, Rahani, that fellow Virat Kohli. This is why I'm really quite, <laughs> quite excited for this series. I mean, yeah, South Africa didn't necessarily have the most meaningful warm-up today mm. against Zimbabwe in the, uh, the four-day test. They only needed two days. Could have been a yeah. two-day test. Yeah, you know, is in particular, yeah, it's been a, a little while, hasn't it, since he's sort of gone off the ball and he's had injury and, and, and perhaps other distractions. Uh, no, it's going to be exciting. What, is it on TV? Uh, yeah, I assume it's on Sky so Sports. The first test starts in Centurion on Friday. It's going to be good, actually. Saturday and Sunday, good bit of cricket in the mm, morning. Yeah. So, yeah, we're all looking forward to that. How's your Christmas then, Tone? Did you have a good time? Very nice. Did you get anything good this year? Yeah, I've got a few, few different bits. Got a Nintendo Switch. Nice. Actually. So it's not really a proper Christmas and uh, if you don't have a console, a new console. <laughs> that Nintendo console. It's been a while. It's literally thinking that reminds me of my Christmas when I was like seven. Yeah. I got an N64. Has been. I'm trying to think of the last console I would have received as a present for Christmas. <laughs> Probably going back to like the GameCube. I think. How was yours? You went. You went away. Uh, yeah, I was away. I was in Finland. Then I spent Christmas in Finland. Uh, which was amazing. Thanks very much for asking. If I was going to describe uh, Finland in one word, it would be trees. Lots. Incredible trees. It's just, it looks like a Disney movie everywhere. Just trees, beautiful trees with snow on them. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah, it was amazing. We did this like um, sauna experience or sauna, as they, as they call it, as they mistakenly, as they mispronounce it. Um where we went, yeah, we went to this uh, sauna in a, uh, like, hut thing. It's actually a boat, but the boat's frozen into this frozen lake. By accident. <laughs> no, no, deliberately. But it's a bit weird because it's slightly tilted. 
So you're like slightly at an angle. Uh, but yeah, we're in the sauna and then you spent like two hours in there and then you'd come out of the sauna and go into like a ice hole, like a hole in the frozen lake, which was, yeah, an experience going from the sauna to the one degree Celsius water. It was lively. Nippy. And you're not, you know, you're not adverse to a little bit of cold water swimming. No, I'm not. And so, I mean, I was obviously fine too, but yeah, um, my girlfriend who finds it too cold to swim in Guernsey in the summer uh, when the water's like 17 degrees, she managed to get in as well, so I was, which was quite impressive. Uh, but it was funny, we had this, um, our guide, we were there with um, four other people and our guide was this like German guy who told us that he'd just got back to Finland from seven years in the German military and he kept talking to us about, he kept bringing up the fact he'd been in the military and kept saying, you know, like where after we got out of the ice water, we were like, oh, that's cold. He's like, yeah, try doing that without a sauna like we had to do in the military. <laughs> there was quite a funny bit where one of the couples opted to go in on their own first. So we had like an hour sitting in the tent uh, just waiting for them because you're supposed to go in naked is the idea. Into uh, the water or into both? Both, yeah. So Racy. they, yeah, <laughs> steady, you're getting a bit hot under, <laughs> hot under the collar there. So um, so they, he said, you know, you can taking in turns or, or all going together and they wanted to go in on their own which is fair enough but we had to just like sit in this tent for an hour but he was like when you go in the water i'll be nearby i'll have to be nearby just in case anything goes wrong so i was just sitting in the tent and i could see through the gap could just see this like really like intense german guy just watching them go walk out of the sauna and go down to the ice hole and then they were just like shrieking and screaming as they climbed in and he was just there smoking a cigarette and he just went head under <laughs> it really made me laugh well yeah as well well like while we were waiting for that hour he was like because oh, it was like minus 20 he was like oh if you want to keep warm come and help me open up the ice hole so we went down to the ice and he just gave us these poles and we were just like smashing the fragments of ice to create more space literally felt like we were digging our own grave yeah <laughs> yeah this like, is where i'll be <laughs> yeah. so i think live in there uh well i i didn't stay in long enough to find out no it's very much an in and out situation. He literally said, don't, like someone was like, oh, okay, so we jump in here. He's like, do not jump in. He's like, if you jump in, even as a young person, you can have a heart attack. So what do you do? Yeah, just lower yourself in. Down There's like some steps that they put down, like a ladder that they put down. Lower yourself in very gingerly. Do you think you could do that, Tone? Are you man enough to do that? I did the Boxing Day swim here. Mm. Which, to be fair, that's, I think the water was about 10 degrees. Yeah. Which is not too bad. And you complained a lot about that. The thing I've never understood about cold water, though, is if you go outside, so, you know, I'm in a T-shirt now, I could walk outside in one degree and I'd be like, oh, it's a bit chilly, isn't it? Mm. And stand there for like five minutes. Why does it, why when you get into cold water? There's probably some it, science Yeah, that, there is probably. I would imagine. Black magic. But it's like an immersion thing. But then the flip side to it is I did rolling in the snow as well. And that showing off at that point, <laughs> yeah, yeah. showboating. <laughs> but like the the VR guide was like, um, you know, try rolling in the snow that, you, and then tell me what's colder. And I sort of thought, oh, well, there's, you know, there's no way. Like, th- come on, that water, the water's freezing. Like, the water is much more intimidating a prospect. But actually, first you were like, <laughs> come on, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, oh yeah, this snow will be easy. But firstly, the snow is like minus 18, so it's a lot colder. But also, in the water, you lower yourself in. It's, it doesn't feel cold. It just feels like burning. But as soon as you get out, it stops. But with the snow, 
you stand up and it's all still on you. <laughs> I was just like running around like, oh my God. Trying to shake it this off. This is cold. And then, yeah, and then after it's been like, oh yeah, that was good. No. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that was probably a bit colder, but you know, both bearable. Well, that's the thing. Cause, I, mean, I, I know these sort of uh, Boxing Day, Christmas Day, New Year's Day mm. dips are increasingly popular, aren't they? Increasingly what we hear, but also yeah, they're, they're sort of all over the place now. And that is the top news story on... <laughs> Boxing Day normally yeah. is it's like revelers plunge into the firth of something, uh, but actually it's really not that cold mm. in the in the general scheme of things. But yeah, I still scream like a baby. That's certainly what I was saying on all my WhatsApp threads to my friends who told me that they'd been Boxing Day swimming. Just sent them a picture of uh, of me getting in the ice hole. Yeah, come on, mate. Not even that cold. Head That's under. It. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> not even that cold. All right. Well, that's probably the end of the podcast, isn't it? But yeah, we're rambling on here a bit. <laughs> but Adam and Tony will return uh, in the next thrilling instalment of the World Cricket Show, which will be next week after the fifth test in Sydney to uh, talk about that and reflect on the Ashes as a whole. And yeah, talk about that first South Africa India test as well. And if we've done any more cold water swimming, we can talk about that too. In the meantime, if you enjoy the World Cricket Show, there's various things on the internet that will allow you to get more involved. We're on Twitter, at Cricket Show. Didn't do a lot of tweeting during this test. I was in Finland for most of it. Didn't see a lot of it live. Just caught up on uh, extended, extended, very extended highlights. Very extended highlights of Steve Smith just blocking on the final day. Um, so yes, I'll be tweeting much more during this game. That's at Cricket Show. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash Cricket Show. We're on Instagram at World Cricket Show. Send us an email, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Write a review for us on iTunes or whichever podcast platform you use. And if you want to support the show financially, probably the best way to do that is on Patreon. Patreon.com slash cricket show. You can sign up to uh, give us a couple of bucks an episode uh, and help to keep us in business. Big thank you to all of our patrons who uh, make all of this podcast gold possible. But that's it, I think, Tone. Uh, I'd better get off and, and edit this now. And hopefully avoid a parking ticket. Oh, God, yeah, I've got, what, I've got five minutes. I'm going to have to be quick. I'm going to have to run as fast as you did to the shop to get those batteries. <laughs> batteries! <laughs> Stay in school, everyone. We'll see you next time. Cheery. Bye-bye for now. It happens to us all. It happens to us all. Each day, each year, year. Not to smell your fear Mason Crane. Yeah, no, that should be quite exciting to see. Yeah, it should be quite exciting to see. Yeah, that should be quite exciting to see. How, uh... <laughs> I, know, I thought it was in the Matrix. Then. <laughs> 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 